Roost is with us again. I'm just here in body. Not I'd have nothing to say, but I'm here, so I'll sit in. Just fill in a seat. Yeah. I've had I've had some feedback from listeners who said Roost should do voiceover stuff on movies or something to think his voice is just a smooth silk on the on the microphone you do have kind of a as he gets older it's a more it's more and more yes my body disintegrates my voice is also and yeah see <laughs> <laughs> funny funny little you want to hear a funny rooster story yeah i don't know that you know this one yet so dad of course rooster's a cowboy from way back right Used to wear the mm-hmm. wear the cowboy hats all around, pearl snap button up shirts, cowboy boots. I always remember growing up trucking with Rooster. He always had the boots, and you you have kind of that. I don't know what it is it your right foot that kind of falls off your your boots, kind of get that curve on the outside edge. Yeah, right. Every boot forever. Anyway, cowboy cowboy belt buckle on the you know he had the the cab over truck belt buckle, which I just loved forever. And then as Rooster got a little more seasoned in his age you know more miles on the road developed a, you know kind of the trucker belly thing going which happens to all of us myself included he switched from wearing the pearl snap button shirts to they got real popular i don't even know what you call these but they got real popular in the 80s they were kind of like a dad shirt where they have like this elastic band that goes around the waist of the shirt to keep it like tight on you it ends up kind of caressing your, your belly, sort of. And then they have a collar and like three buttons and a big old pocket. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I, you remember the shirts. Well, obviously. I know because dad always wore them. Right. It's kind of close to what you're wearing now. Yeah. This is like the modern version. So it's been like mom's dream forever to get him out of these shirts. It was kind of some, I, I don't know where they came from. I don't know what they're called. But you could, I think you could only order them from, was it Big and Tall? Yeah. So he would mail order these shirts back, back in the day when we're growing up. And every, almost every picture you find of Rooster from growing up, he's wearing one of these shirts, different colors. They're usually like in red, dark blue, or green. Just a nice solid, just a nice solid color, Mm -hmm. you know, clean. Yep. That was the deal. So Roost has been getting after his fitness here the last while. Kenzie, our sisters had him in the weight room lifting and getting strong and, and been getting in shape, looking good, Rooster. So, you know, reversing the effect of all those years of trucking, so to speak. So he finally got to where it was no more trucker shirts. You, you can start wearing the, I think mom didn't want him wearing the pearl snaps because they kind of, they go out to the end of your belly and then they just go straight down and you kind of have like this, you're like walking tent kind of thing unless you tuck them in everywhere you go. I kind of feel like like Billy Jack always had that look going. Yes, Billy Jack always you had know. that look. That was, he just, he just stuck with it. So anyway, it's been mom's dream to get Rooster back in just regular shirts and the, the button-up Cowboys shirts, right? So he succeeds in this, this fitness journey, finally back to where you can wear these shirts. She goes and gets them all, these nice shirts and just real sharp-looking Rooster. And all of a sudden, Rooster turns up wearing this shirt that he's wearing today. What? Where'd that come from? Rooster? I don't even know how, because Rooster doesn't know the internet. Doesn't know, I, don't, I still don't. Maybe you can fill us in. Doesn't know anything about technology. And somehow was able to order these shirts. And they just showed up now, Rooster, because he loves them so much. He's back to wearing these shirts. I'm going to have to say there was a, an accomplice. 
Was it? There has to be. How did you get them ordered? I'm still capable of making a phone call. I mean, how'd you even find the number? Like, they're not in the phone book. I got the catalog. They resurrected the catalog and sent one to me. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Richard, you got to be one of the few left ordering from a catalog. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, when you said that mom wanted to get him out of those shirts, they're such a flattering cut <laughs> that, you know, when your husband's out on the road alone, kind of worried, <laughs> right? you put on these, you put on these shirts, you know, they're form fitting, fla- just an extremely flattering cut. <laughs> yeah. I can see why she'd be a little worried about him. And because of the, the elastic around the belly, anytime you bend over, of course, you're, you're immediately giving everybody the moonshot if you're, if your pants are hanging a little low. Because that elastic keeps your shirt from being able to come down. It just causes that shirt to kind of ride up. But it only so far. <laughs> right. It's like that elastic doesn't let it go down, but it doesn't let it, it come under the just, fold of the belly either. Exa- so it kind exactly. of <laughs> Oh, yep. Uh, well, speaking of clothes, I, maybe we can talk about what you have wearing. I don't know. It, it, this seems pretty... Uh, oh, I knew you were going to do this. You guys, I tried. Before we started the podcast, I tried to mitigate this and it's coming anyway. So just let, just lay it on me. Just go ahead. I'm trying to think of the right word to describe how it looks or feels. I, I know it's not me. No, I don't, I don't know. It just looks real. just looks really involved with something. Like you're really involved with something. Do I look kind of like, is this your, is this the, yeah, it seems, is this your NASCAR uniform? It's unofficial. Yeah. It's what I wear. You know, a lot of people wear the fan sweatshirt, but when I carry the backpack that has the matching logo. Then they realize, like, you're part of something. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But is the hat too much? Is it all? No, I'm just teasing. Because <laughs> before we started, Jackson said, does this just seem too much? But he just got off an airplane from on the road, long road trip with Dude, NASCAR. So it's been, it's been a long week. You want me to tell you a little bit about the, the NASCAR? Let's, let's get to it in a little bit. Okay. I want to go back to our, our last episode. We had just finished branding. And since we got roost on here. We got to yeah. get a rundown of all the mistakes that we made that you've, as you've gone through, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've combed through the, your herd of cattle multiple times looking at every, I wouldn't be surprised if the binoculars have been out looking at the quality of the brands on the calves, kind of assessing, I'm, I'm curious how, how much time you spent looking at the quality of work that Jackson and I did without you being there. And now anyone who didn't hear our last episode, a very quick recap. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, yep. Jackson and I, well, Jackson actually was the crew chief. I hey. was, I was just there help, lending a helping hand, branded all roosts calves. Now, when we say branding, it's not just branding them, but it's, it's vaccinating, medicating, castrating, everything involved, getting the calves worked up. And roost has never not done this, but he had some family conflict time-wise that conflicted with Jackson and my schedules to be able to help. So it was. Roos did it on his own, or he turned it over to the boys, or to Jackson, and I was helping. Turned it over to the boys. And he wasn't there. A lot of anxiety on Roos's part. Yeah. A lot of phone calls, yep. you know, expressing his anxiety over not being there. And so that's why we're, we're curious now after he, he was able to come back and look at things. What do you think? Well, I've got about three pages of notes I should have brought with me. <laughs> Plus, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Kenzie was spying for me. She sent me little video clips. Huh? Didn't know. To let me know just how good or bad you guys are handling things. Yeah. And uh, Kenzie, I mean, she's been so involved with the, the cattle and, and the work that she probably really knows what she's talking about. <laughs> 
she wasn't commenting too much, just sending me the video. The she just said she's video. also she nah. wait, Kenzie, you shouldn't disparage because Kenzie was totally on your team. You'd like somehow were whispering things into her ear and she'd come over and start dogging on me about how I was doing stuff. And I'm like, this sounds exactly like Luke. What are what are you doing? <clears throat> so she was definitely not a neutral anything. She was a thousand percent on your side. Whatever I did was doing was wrong. Ken- too slow. Kenzie is our little sister. <laughs> and she was, she'd come over and hang around with whatever I was working and then go back and, and say things to Jackson to instigate. Yeah. Trying little, little brotherly competition, it's probably. Not, not dissimilar to what happens on the podcast. But now apparently she was some sort of a double agent for Roost. Yeah. Didn't know that. Huh. It was a very anxious day for me. I'll tell you, it was horrible. Do you think you'll ever? Do you think you'll ever brand again? I think did I'll this, never skip again. Did this retire you from Brandon? <laughs> yeah. Which way did it lean you? Did it make you realize you really need to get back involved? It did. In fact, I just decided to hold off on the rest home for an extra ten years, <laughs> so I can brand. Dang it! Well, I know on. I don't think we messed up too bad. I don't consider my. I don't think I messed up, because what I was doing was I was only supposed to get heifers. So if a, a steer or if a bull came in, a little bull calf, I just did what I would do as if it was a heifer. Vaccinations, Brandon turned it loose. I wasn't in charge of castration. So there might be a few bulls out there, but that wasn't my fault. That was people putting the wrong animal in my chute. <laughs> Is that okay? I, yeah, that's good. <laughs> just trying to add some pounds. Um, so Rooster did have some, okay, so he's being a little shy about his, his remarks towards the brand. We did, we did have a few little things that we screwed up. All right. I'm curious to know. And, and this is where you're going to say, well, I didn't screw up because I was just here to help. You were actually in charge. So I'm going to just go ahead and I'm just going to step forward right now to save you having to, to present that a little later in the podcast. I was in the charge. I was Rooster gave me the charge of the day. And there was one heifer that Rooster wanted to keep, a, a Charlay, a pure, a purebred Charlay that he wanted to keep as a replacement that we oh, railroaded. Wow. Yeah. So, so he was a little bummed about that. However, I personally don't want that one in the herd. That's kind of a Rooster thing. So I don't feel too bad about forgetting it. Rooster definitely wanted it. So we're kind of at a... The question is, did you forget it? It was actually legitimate forget. It wasn't purposeful. So it's one of those things where you're like, well, I forgot, but oh well. However, it was an honest forget, forget, forgot. I feel a little bit guilty because I that was handled all the heifers. Yeah. But my instructions were anything with Charlie in them. Boom. Send them down the road. Send them down the road. So, well. So there was that. And then Rooster, a couple of the castrations. Rooster would have liked to see a little more of the scrotum removed prior to the castration. So there's not quite as much sidewall left over, so to speak. Mm. So, but that was good feedback. That was just good, honest, like not going to hurt anything, but. What's the reason for wanting less? Because it drains better and less swelling. There's a lot of sac left. It can swell enough to actually constrict that opening. Then they puff up. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, like clothes, like the flaps can come together. Plus, I think it could maybe create kind of a cod that might look to a buyer like, oh, there might be a bull when it's not because there's enough leftover skin to create a, a okay. cod, they call it. So 
good feedback. I think that, I think that was it. Was well, that it, Roost? Yeah, and I know some of those heifer brands. The, <laughs> you know, my brand is on the hip, not, <laughs> not the hip bone or the back of the ribs. I thought you were front shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> you missed it really good if it was front shoulder, too. <laughs> no, they did awesome. I was, couldn't believe how no injuries, no, just couldn't have gone better the way it sounded. Yeah, no, it went smooth. And you had to feel better than ever. I'll give it to you, Roos. Knife cutting those things, it bending over that table all day long is a lot of work. So I got a new respect for the old fellow. Uh, Roost, I didn't I don't think I told you about this. So when we got there, they had been when I got there, they had started a little bit, just getting in there. And I already noticed a father and son involved in a fairly fairly serious, let's just call it a very serious conversation, Jackson and Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> just it just <laughs> it's just so funny because i know that there's working with you at times there's had been times where there's been serious conversations on your point that have had been needed to have been had with us yeah the father son so fathers and sons working together there's often especially around livestock there's often some conversations that need to be had between father and son and without you there to have that conversation with jackson Jackson decided to go ahead and carry on that tradition by having a over in the corner a fairly serious conversation with Freddie. That is true. I guess it was the problem, a lack of hustle, because that's what bugs me the most in the world. It, well, it was hustle. It, that's it. Is that what it was? I don't was know. It, whatever it was when we pulled out. It was rooted in it was rooted in me trying to say, go to the, right there. Just there don't don't think about it don't don't even think why i'm telling you to go that just go that direction and there's a little kickback as freddie is entering those young teenage years of why should i go this way don't have time to teach you it's loud <laughs> just go and then it oh. seems to get worse and worse and so luke kind of showed up right in the middle of that yeah oh and just so, just so it, made me <laughs> chuckle because it definitely was, have been there and it was a good reminder to me so after we were done i pulled him aside and said all right man i got a little i got a little serious of course when you're working cattle it's never personal though it may, it may seem very personal in the moment but yeah we got her we got her worked out so i'd always tell you guys yours is not to wonder why yours is just to do or die <laughs> that's good oh man yeah yeah, that just odd. I got a good chuckle going up and seeing that conversation happen. And I immediate, immediately flashbacks knew what was going on because I've been in Freddie's shoes many a time. Right. Many a time. Oh, goodness. So, so Jackson, yeah, let's talk about. So, well, first off, Jackson has a new addition to his family. Yeah. So, congratulations. Yep, thank you. I, I lost a few things this week and I gained something. I lost four kidney stones. And I gained a uh, baby girl. So, you know, I'll, I'll take the swap. I'll gladly take the swap. But that's why, remember last episode we were talking, are we going to be able to get together? And I was sure that we would be able to. However, the last two weeks just turned into this insane <laughs> shuffle of my wife going overdue by like 15 days. So just that stress alone of, of her being so beyond what she and we kind of were expecting to happen there's a there's quite a quite a mental load there 
and then when when I knew I had these kidney stones coming, see, I had kidney stones. For those of you out there that have had kidney stones, I am with you. Like I am your companion in that. It is it is the worst thing that you can ever imagine. The worst thing. It's and I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but it's the only thing now that I've experienced in my adult life that can make me cry. Like I'll cry tears of pain, which sounds, I know that sounds really like, wow, dude, hmm. tears of pain where I'm just crumpled up and, and um, we're just a second. We're at a minute 17, 37. Let me write that down. Cause you're probably going to want to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, so anyway, after I had my last bout, I, they kept telling me at the doctor, this was eight years ago. They're like, yeah, it'll pass. Just drink a lot of water and, you know, good vibes, good feelings. It'll come through, you know, blah, blah, blah. See, here's the, here's the thing about kidney stones. Everyone thinks that the pain of a kidney stone is passing the stone from your bladder compartment out of your body, which seems a little sensitive. You know, you might have a little burn ooh, as it plinks into the toilet. That's nothing. That's like babies nothing compared to the actual pain comes from the stone getting stuck between your kidney and your bladder there's this little tiny passage called a ureter and the stone will get stuck there and just sit there in limbo am i gonna go down or am i stuck you go to the hospital and they're like no man just take some tylenol it'll be fine so after like weeks of puking in pain and crying and really seeming like I'm just a total wuss bag. I had to go to the emergency room one other time. I was like, look at it, x-ray it, whatever. And this pain of, of kidney stones, you guys, it, it comes and goes. So you never know. You're going to go from just riding in your car or in your semi or walking down the street or at work, just feeling pretty, pretty well to all of a sudden you're in a ball on the floor curled up, just shaking and sweating and vomiting. For could be 10 minutes, could be 10 hours. You don't know. There's, there's no way to know until that stone shifts a little bit. Then the pain vanishes just like that. So for those of you that don't know this, I'm just trying to spell this out. So I went into the doctor eight years ago, got a scan and they're like, oh yeah, you have like, it's like the size of a pencil eraser. It's just stuck in there and won't go down. I'm like, you think I've been coming in here all this time. So my lesson learned. And for those of you that may struggle with this if you're new to the kidney stone game it's far easier to just go in if you know what you have and say i need a ct scan we need a scan because i have kidney stones and i want to get them gone <laughs> and don't if they're like well drink you're like nope i need a scan and I'm, i just want to know what we're dealing with so this time around i start getting the twinges and the symptoms are very unpleasant they're, it's not the full-blown attack symptoms it's the lead up and the lead up I don't know why this is, but in men, the lead up is, it feels like you have taken a, a sharp blow between the legs. It's that feeling and it just sits there. And that's the precursor to the vomiting and all that. So I started getting a few of those unmistakable and some of you out there are smiling right now because you know, you experienced the old, the old painful twinge. I had that. And so I immediately just called the urologist and I'm like, Got kidney stones and I need to get them out. So we make the plans. I go in and get scanned. And guess what? Four kidney stones in my rat kidney. And all of them are big enough. That they're like, mm, 
kind of a 40% chance they'll come out on their own. So, and I'm like, so get them out. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to live my life in limbo. You know what I mean? So we set the deal. They're like, yep. And the procedure for this now, it's a little invasive. There's, there's a lot of methods to remove kidney stones. Kind of the main one now that they use, they used to use like shock waves. You'd lay in a, like in a tub and they'd send sonic shock waves through your, you know, your side into your kidney. It's supposed to break them up. But again, you don't really know if it does. So it's, you can try it, but it's not surefire. The surefire way is to do a procedure where they basically run a tube from the outside of your body up in through your privates and up into your bladder, through your bladder, up the ureter, up into the kidney. So that little tube arrives in your kidney. And then beyond that, they have a scope now that travels inside of the tube that's inside of you. See what I'm saying? Kind of like a well casing. Like when they're drilling a well, they put, you know, casing in. <laughs> so I go in and I'm set to have this procedure done. They send this little scope in. And if they're real big, they'll use a laser. Like Battlestar. Asteroids. And they'll break them up. And then they'll either let your body flush the gravel out. Or they'll use a little basket and they just grab them with this little basket and make several trips in and out. So I'd experienced this in the past and my honest opinion was the surgery and the procedure was way less traumatic and painful than dealing with the stones. So they say, when do you want to do the surgery? Well, I'm running up against this NASCAR date. I'd been home for the last six weeks knowing that I need to leave for NASCAR at the end of May. And so when they said, when do you want your surgery? So I timed it just enough recovery time that I could recover and get on the road for NASCAR, but late enough that I'm like, there's no way we will not have a baby at this point. Well, the day gets closer and closer and closer. And pretty soon it's, it's the night before this procedure and still no baby. So now I've got baby, kidney stones, NASCAR all coming within about five days. And so I said, honey, I love you. And I am all, I'm here for you. I may miss the birth of this child because I will be in a procedure getting a, a, a tube put into myself to, to remove these stones. And, and I said, if I miss the birth, you can at least lay your head down at night knowing that it wasn't. You can at least know that. I will immediately be leaving on a NASCAR trip. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I said, at least it won't be because I was on the road somewhere. Rooster has had the experience of act. How many have you missed from being on the road? Yeah, I missed a couple. <laughs> just a couple. Where he was stuck on the road and just didn't work out. He was gone. And so I was like, at least it won't be because I trucked. and I'm, I'm trying to, you know... Every father wants their son to do a little better, you know, and be a little better, right? So I'm like, I'm just going to try to do a little better, be a little better. But I said, but it, at least I, I, I got to have these things out. They have to come out because I can't live with this gun against my head, so to speak. So, okay, good luck. So she's at home trying to be all calm, keep the baby, just whatever. I go and I get this procedure, finish the procedure. And no baby yet, but I have my recovery now. So now I'm real tender, as you can imagine. One of the other little treasures that they leave you with 
with this procedure is what's called a medical stint, which you, uh, you probably don't deal with that at all in dental work, right? They, after they remove all of their devices out of your passages, they, <laughs> that sounds rough. It is rough. After they remove them, they put a stent, which is basically just a, it's a plastic kind of rubbery little tube. It's probably like, it's probably like a little less than about an eighth of an inch or a little less. They leave that up inside. They, there's a hook on it that hooks into your bladder or into your kidney. And then it comes down the ureter into your bladder and keeps that passage open. So because of the irritation, that ureter might swell shut. Well, all the pain that comes from kidney stones, as I mentioned earlier, comes from those, the ureters. That's what like brings all this, this horrible pain to you. And it's anytime the ureter is touched, tweaked, anything. So they leave this nice stent in there. And then on the end of the stent from the bladder, they leave a string tied to the stent that comes the rest of the way out, you know, just leave it there. And with the instruction that the stent shall remain for, you know, I think it was five days, at which point you are to remove the stent yourself, which means untape the string and pull the string out, out, out. This thing's like 18 inches long with an 18 inch string on it. So you're pulling, <laughs> I mean, it's almost as long as your leg by the time you pull it out. And it's a very uncomfortable sensation to have to do that to yourself, as you may imagine. For male or female. So anyway, we go in, we, we end up having the baby two days after. So I made it. Baby came along great. Everything is well. Other than the fact that three days after the baby was born, I did have to fly away to NASCAR. So I, I'm just returning from that. Thankfully, crew chief and friend, Taylor Moyer, he insisted that I fly home after I drive the car to Portland from Charlotte. We're going to put you on a plane. You got to fly home. Go be with your family. You can fly back in a week to Sonoma. We'll do the race in California. And then, then you can fly home. So anyway, that was in a nutshell. That's kind of been the whirlwind of the last two weeks. You guys, I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think passing a kidney stone is way more painful than childbirth? That's a good question. Don't, I, don't ask a woman that. <laughs> I've actually, since I've had the stones in my talking to people, I've, I've heard of two instances of a woman that had kidney stones while she was in late term pregnancy and having her baby. And I was like, I cannot even, I cannot even imagine to deal with both of those things in, in sequence. But anyway, can I tell you about the NASCAR run a little bit? Yeah. Do you mind? You all right, Roost? Sure. Actually, before we move on, is there anything you want to share about? I think a few listeners out there might wonder the circumstance of you missing the birth of a couple, you said, of your children. Or is this something you care not to revisit? No, one of them, she wasn't due yet, but it was getting close. So I checked every truck stop along the way and I took another driver with me so I could jump on a plane and immediately hit home if she went into labor. So you were team trucking. So you had a, one, you could drive out there super fast because you had two drivers. And, and then, then if I had to fly home, I said, oh, I'll so like jump you, on a plane. I'll be okay. home in a couple hours. Okay. And this is back way before cell phone time, right? So I check, yeah, check, I check in Billings. No, not a thing happening. So this is, you're hauling from Montana to Sioux Falls, yeah. South Dakota, and then going back. 
So you checked Billings on your way? She said, no, nothing happening. Okay. So I checked at Rapid City, said one minute after you talked to me from Billings, contraction started. <laughs> and I said, well, no problem. I'll just get on a plane. And all the flights had to go through Denver and then to Great Falls. Denver was socked in with worse snowstorm in history. So even though the roads were perfect, weather was beautiful, South Dakota and Montana could not get a flight. And you're on your way out. Yeah. Oh, man. So, and so I was in Kimball, South Dakota, and I had a couple of kids with me, and I was told how hard the labor was. On the phone, Pan was saying, Mom's in hard, hard, hard labor. And so Panna's your, our, she's my oldest sister, the one just behind Luke. And she would have been, how old do you think she was? Like seven, eight, seven or eight, telling you about this. So you missed that one? So, and so does missed. a seven or eight year old really know what hard, hard, hard labor is? <laughs> I don't know. What she's okay. So telling me. I guess what I'm trying to point out is that dad's getting his information about how bad things are from a seven and eight year old daughter. <laughs> and then from the other daughter during the branding. Oh, I guess what I'm true. kind of pointing out here is that, you know, when you're seeking information, a little spy, a little spy action from the daughters. I like how you brought that back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just really reemphasized how you probably need to really look at any information. <laughs> with, with Kenzie, I missed hers also. Okay. I was on my way home, so it was... It was me that you missed, wasn't it? That yeah. was that trip? Yeah. So you were, you because of the snowstorm in Denver, you missed my birth, which I still attribute to why I was somehow magically i call it a blessing they call it a curse but blessed with the trucking bug because it was like to balance the universe since rooster missed it on the truck i was destined to become the next you know the next trucker so then that just kind of make it easier so after that you're like you know i missed one missed well, one we still thought i had time so i went to Sioux falls on my way home i was still checking everything fine uh, i called from rapid city said oh i started labor so I put the hammer down, Billings. And the, ha- and the hammer down in old blue was like 60, like you normally do in 68. 60. You could do 68? Wrapped yeah, out, like 2,100 RPMs, empty. Yeah. That was all she'd do. <laughs> so the doctor picked up the phone, right? Call from Billings, said, you have a beautiful, dark-haired, dark-eyed daughter. Oh man. So I kept the hammer. So I only missed her by like four or five hours. Yeah. I missed you by four or five days. Because <laughs> you're going the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, now I can speak to how hard that would have actually been because you put, you just get razzed about it all the time, but nobody actually understands how hard that is because leaving, I didn't miss it, but I had to leave just a couple of days afterward. And it's been, it's been pretty hard for me. Honestly. And I know that's no surprise to Luke because he's thinking, well, you did admit that you do cry in pain. And so I can understand how you might have emotional difficulties leaving your newborn daughter. <laughs> no, I was actually going to say, I could imagine how hard that is. But now that you say it, I, yeah, I, I might look at that a little differently. <laughs> oh hmm. man. So, okay. So let's, uh, let, let me go on to this NASCAR trip. I, I gotta say, I don't know about team trucking, man. After this, this NASCAR, I just, I don't know about team trucking and it's not for what you think. Most team trucks, most outfits that put teams together, it's a random assignment in a company. You're just like, you're hiring on a drive. You're subject to whatever co-driver we just give you. 
And knowing the way that the trucking industry kind of is these days, something we're trying to battle against through increased mentorship and whatnot, is that there are some interesting folk on the road. And now, as you may imagine, a lot of those interesting folks get paired up and it can cause a lot of friction. My beef with team trucking is not anything to do with my co-driver. I don't think that I've met a trucker. This is an all honesty. I'm not just saying this to try to butter up Chris, but I don't think that I get along easier with any trucker than I do with Chris. It's just like, it's, we're just laughing and driving and laughing and having fun and learning how to do the North Carolina thing, the, all the little phrases they say and stuff. Love it. Love that. It is one of the most torturous, sleep-deprived marathon events that I've ever experienced in my life. And this is coming from a guy that hauls cattle, you know, regularly hard in the fall. Almost to the point where I'm like, I don't, I don't know that it should be allowed team trucking because of how just tiring and how little sleep you get. So let me, let me just explain. Any of you guys that have teamed out there, you might understand this, but you, when you drive, basically you, you do 11 hour shifts. So I drive 11 hours and then I go back in the bunk. And I sleep while Chris drives his 11 hours. And then we switch, right? It's just this carousel back and forth. I've had times in the past where like teaming with like Weston, you don't sleep because you're scared. Anytime he hits the brakes, you think he's running off the road or, you know, Rooster probably had some of that when he let me drive at age, whatever, 14. So there you go. So Rooster's probably experienced this, but you go back in the bunk after your 11 hour shift. And this time, Chris let me drive the day shift. He kind of took most of the night. And you go back and you lay there and you're, at first you're not super tired, but then you start to get kind of drowsy and you want to sleep. And so you close your eyes and you just start to sleep and you hit some of these bridge crossings that are on these freeways all over the country and just launches you. I don't, I don't have the benefit of being weighted down into the sleeper like, like some, which I actually wish I had at this point. And you just launch. So you're, you're back awake again. Now I want you to think for a minute when you are, if, if someone asks you like, and you're probably laughing because you've dealt with some massive long-term sleep deprivation, right? The last year with the, with the twin against. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so for sure. <laughs> is that getting better, by the way? Is it starting to turn a little? At 11 months. 11 months. At 11 months, they finally slept through the night. So you've, you've had 11 months of team trucking. I, I understand. My little one week of this is what you've been living through at for 10 months, months. It hit me that at 10 months, I had not slept one time in 10 months for more than three hours continuously <laughs> in a 24-hour period. Oh, man. See, the killer, and it just, it just wears you down. Yeah. So I am now coming to you in full understanding of what you've gone through. So, so anyway, when, you, when someone asks you like, hey, how'd you sleep last night? Not in the truck, but just generally, like when you're at home and you say, oh man, I, I slept terrible. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep. Have you had that where you just, you just can't, your mind's racing or you're not tired enough and you just, you toss and turn all night, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it feels like the night drags on forever. So that's team trucking. You don't actually ever fall asleep. You just kind of like wander around in your mindscape in this fugue state of 
Like, I think I slept. And then you look at your clock and you're like, no, I was like 30 minutes ago. What? I still have nine more hours of this. Mm-hmm. So you try to lay back down. It is, it's like torture and it's mandated. Like you don't have a choice. This is your time that you have. You can't drive anymore. You have to sit back here and suffer. So you finish your shift and you're just like, no, 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 no. Don't make me go. Like, don't send me back there. I can't do it again. He's like, no, it's my turn. I've been back there tossing and turning for the last 11 hours. You go back and get in the bunk. I'm taking over. So I at least can be in some peace and in control. It's quite awful. Does Chris feel the same too? hundred percent. He said, it's everyone. We all talk about it. And, we go, and so this was just the death march because it was from Charlotte to Portland. And I kind of made a spoof on it a little bit. You can go on my Instagram page and look at the last four reels that I put out. We kind of did like this race across the country. And we called it the 44 hours of Portland because it's a 44 hour trip. If you drive straight through to get to Portland. Wow. And it's back to back when we stopped to fuel. And we all got out there. We got there at four in the morning. They weren't ready to check us in at the hotel. And all of us teams are just sitting there at the counter at the hotel. <laughs> like, did anybody sleep in the last 44 hours? And there was like, nope. No, there's one driver. There's one little driver we have that somehow sleeps through anything. He's like, I slept good. And I'm like, but all the rest of us, it's a 44 hour death march of no sleep. So then to top this off, and I probably shouldn't have said anything. I should have probably kept this to myself, but as I'm, I'm driving my second day shift, I'm listening to the boss man's podcast. Dale Jr. has a podcast called, you know, the Dale download. And they, they put out like three episodes a week, two or three episodes a week. And I'm listening. Cause I want to know, you know, what they're just want to know what's going on. And so I'm cruising across and I'm listening and they have a guest on and somehow the subject of what they're talking got turned to old school NASCAR. And as we know, everything old school is tougher. That's why everybody loves to listen to old roost. That's why <laughs> we have so much pride of being raised back in the day, you know, because it was like hardcore NASCAR is the same. Like the racing was more gritty, you know, it was just, everything was, was harder. And so I'm listening to the podcast and it comes up about this situation that us drivers in the Xfinity series were placed in. This week. And that situation was the race that was supposed to take place last Saturday in Charlotte got rained out. So they postponed it from Saturday to Sunday, got postponed to Monday, which is the day we were supposed to leave and have just a nice trip across the country to Portland. We didn't even get out of Charlotte till Tuesday after lunch because the race had got rained out. And in NASCAR, they don't cancel races. Like they happen no matter what. They're going to do them no matter how many days it gets delayed. So industry-wide, it was kind of the thing in NASCAR. They're like, oh man, these Xfinity guys, they finished their race at midnight on Monday. They got to go get the cars back to the shop, unloaded, reworked, reloaded, and to Portland by Thursday. And so everyone's talking, how this, man, this is too bad. So this comes up on the podcast with Dale Jr. And he says something along the lines of, you know, back in the day, it was tough. And we forget how tough it was. Them guys were having to drive everywhere. He goes, those haulers nowadays, them hauler trucks, they're like a house. I mean, them guys, it's so cush going across there. Like, and they get two drivers for these long hauls. So they didn't have to do it all by themselves. This is, I hear this in the middle of our death march. And I'm like, 
are you kidding me? I was like, how about this, Dale Jr.? Why don't you come on a trip with your hauler sometime and you can see just how housey these trucks feel when you're bouncing three feet in the air out of your sleeper bunk crossing a bridge somewhere in Louisiana, right? Oh, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said anything. But Chris wakes up and I was like, hey, bud. I was like, guess what I just heard on a podcast? <laughs> so I told him. And he's like, what? So then after my shift's over, I'm in the bunk and I hear him on the phone with one of the other hollers. Hey, did you listen to Dale's podcast? <laughs> As we're all just dying, you know. And so anyway, it was funny because we're teasing. We're like, there's one race company, Stuart Haas, that has, they have the living quarters. Like, oh, you posted a picture a few yeah. weeks ago. They have those on their hauler trucks. Not that it matters because you're back there just bouncing to death no matter what. But we're laughing because we're like, this bunk, I mean, and they're nice trucks. I got to say, you know, they, they're these Peter belts. They're shiny. They're beautiful. But no matter how shiny and beautiful, it does not keep you from bouncing your teeth out in the bunk where you're supposed to be sleeping. And so we're, we're kind of teasing. We're like, this, this ain't, this is probably like the closet of your guest room in your guest house. <laughs> like, you know, I, uh, I saw a Kickstarter campaign recently, you know, like if you're on a, an airplane, those neck pillows people wear, Oh yeah. which, which they don't really solve the problem of your head dropping. That's what kind of wakes you up, you know, or your head gets at a weird crank like, yeah. angle but your head kind of flops around. And so this Kickstarter campaign, it was a, a little strap system that went right around the headrest. And then you, there's a pillow and some dark, some dark blackout goggles or whatever you wear. But at the process, it strapped your head down so you could fall asleep and your head wouldn't drift to the side or, or kind of nod forward on you. So you're, supposed, so you're supposed to sleep because your head can't drop. Do you think those semis, if you just had like a, just something you could cinch yourself into? Some kind of like full body, just press you into the mattress and hold you there. Yeah, your, your, team, driver, your team driver has to come back to there. strap you in? Pull the ratchets to ratchet you. <laughs> I honestly, that honestly is what it would take. I, I don't know. Like if you were locked down where your body couldn't be bouncing around, you think you'd sleep better on those? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's just this. I can just see Chris and Chris has to come tuck you in back there. <laughs> just ratcheting. Like, you got to use the bathroom. Don't matter. You got to hold it. You're, you're in. You're stuck. <laughs> oh, but it's so funny. It's just funny because it's meant to be like safe. Like, oh yeah, they can trade off and, you know, switch out. And it's just those real nice, smooth ride. Uh, it's, it is it is brutal. So. Oh yeah. So then this was the last thing. Okay. Last thing. And then I'm done with it. I, we get out there, we get checked into the hotel and my roommate in the Hampton Inn is, is a good old boy, retired firefighter from there around Charlotte, old Daryl. And Daryl is so nice. Always smells good. Super classy. Just a good old guy, you know, really like him. But Daryl has this incredible talent that I haven't ever experienced in that he can snore like I've never experienced. I mean, I, you hear people snore and, you know, like, oh, yeah, wow. You know, I snore at times, whatever. But it's, it's not the, I can't get this out of my head. I can't fall asleep. Ah, I don't know what to do. So last night, my plan was I'm like, I had a day, basically a day at the hotel. And then I flew out early this morning to come back, right? 
and we're on our way home, go see the baby, all that. So last night I'm like, I'm going to go soak in the hot tub. Just going to get totally drained out to where I'm just like, you know, after like hour and a half soak in the tub, you're just like gone. I am going to, and I'm already dying tired because we, you know, this trip. So I go, I soak in the tub. I'm just, I'm just like clawing my way back to the hotel room. I get in there and I lay down and I'm just like, okay, set my alarm for 3.30 a.m. to get up to catch this flight. It's like 10.30 at this point. I lay back and all of a sudden just... I'm not exaggerating. You're just going, what? Are you okay? Like, are are you choking on your tongue? Are you dying? (laughs) I don't know what's going on, man. And then he'll like rustle and like clear his throat. And you're thinking like, oh, okay, here's my window. Cause usually they kind of work into it and progress. The next breath. (laughs) Same thing immediately. So I sat there the last night. I'm totally zapped from the hot tub. Just, it's just like I was back in the back of the bunk sleep for 15, 20 minutes. Look at the clock. Like, and then you're already anxious that you're going to sleep in and miss your plane somehow. Right. Yeah. It's it just a nightmare. So I'm, I'm, I am right in your mode. Sleep sleep. Yeah, man. Does he know he snores that bad? Yes, he does. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I've tried everything. I've had surgeries. I've, I'm like, dude, you need like a Darth Vader mask or something. Like, I don't, I don't know. Huh. But yeah, he's, and, he, and, and of course we tease about it, but he, he feels awful. He's like, whatever it takes. I mean, throw a pillow at me. And I'm like, Daryl, that's great. But the next breath, you're right back at, I mean, strike up the band. Here's Daryl right back to it, boy. And anyway, so that's, I, I don't know. And all I do for NASCAR is team truck. So I love the race. I love, you know, this is so fun. Love making the videos. But the dark side of this is like, you have to team truck and sleep in the same room as Daryl. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, you can't go sleep in the truck. I might look into that. It's at the racetrack. They're usually miles apart, but I would sleep. So then this is the other funny thing that, okay, this reminds me of this. You can't just sleep. You know, like you can't just go sleep in the truck. They also, some of these trips that are like, you can drive 11 hours, right? And then you have to take your 10 off. So some of these trips are like 12 hours away, 13 hours away. And the, the company feels like we got to have co-drivers so that they can go straight through and get there. When in reality, you're like, you know, if you just leave the night before instead of the morning, those guys can just go drive for four or five hours and then go to bed and park the truck and sleep because the truck isn't moving. It's parked. <laughs> so Chris and I were talking about that. And we're like, man, that would be nice. You could actually sleep. You just leave the night before and half of these runs you wouldn't need a go driver for. Mm. But yeah. So what's the ultimate fix? Our infrastructure in the country is just the, you don't know it in a car traveling around the country, but if you ever want to, no, just watch a semi when it crosses a bridge. Watch what the truck does. <laughs> the truck next to you. And speaking about infrastructure, I listened to a podcast this past week. Yeah. A guy named Sean Ryan. I love this guy's podcast. So everyone looking for a good podcast, go check out Sean Ryan's show. But he had a, a guest on whose name was David Tice. David Tice has come out with a documentary recently on how fragile the power grid in the United States is. Oh. 
way worse. I've always heard it's fragile way worse than you can imagine. Really? So I'm probably going to have these numbers a little bit off, but transformers, he said we have about 55,000 transformers in the United States that run the power grid. There are nine that have been identified that if these nine were taken out at the same time, no power in the whole United States. Oh, it's like a bottleneck in the system. These nine and these transformers, he said right now on average, it used to be about a two year wait list to get one. And now it's about five years because the Ukraine has had so many taken out in this, this uh-huh. conflict with Russia. Uh-huh. The, the backlog has gone to be like five years for these, these transformers. So if, if you have some taken out, I mean, difficult to get them. Some of them are so big to transport that, you know, you have to take down overpasses. You have, I mean, it's, do you know what an EMP is? Electromagnetic oh, yeah. pulse. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Bruce? Yep. You know, the sun flares will do it, but there's, there's the thought that a, a, an explosion of a nuclear weapon in the atmosphere will, will send out this electromagnetic pulse that will zap anything electro, electronic, including power grid. Which is not that, I mean... You think about like a, your radio driving to town, like you lose. It's so easy to mess up. So much of our communication and everything is through satellite. But like the EMP, just, it, I mean, we, our water doesn't run anymore. Our fuel doesn't pump anymore because it's all electric. So a while back, there was a, it's called the EMP Commission, I believe. Congress had, had commissioned this, this investigation to, to look into the effects of EMP. in in. This is according to David Tice, who did this documentary, that one of the findings of this EMP commission was that if the power grid went down for nine months in the United States, which theoretically would not be a difficult thing to do, that could lead up to a 90% death rate of Americans. Really? 90% of, of America dies. I guess that's a long time with no power, nine months. But can you believe that we're that? So infrastructure, power grid. So he was really, really interesting podcast. I want to watch that documentary, but he, yeah, crazy, huh? Yeah. It's frustrating to see. And it's nothing, it's not a political anything. It's just like, there's things that have to be maintained for the country to just move along. Whoever you are, you have to maintain. Well, one thing he said is because they're private, private companies, all the power companies are private. They're not government that they do not have to, they can't be forced to provide security for everything. So it's a, it's a cost to them to provide security. So he said they actually lobby our legislatures to not, to not do anything, to, patent, to not pass bills that require minimum security standards. Huh. I mean, think, <laughs> think about the transformers you drive by on the road. What's right. the protection on them? None. A chain link fence? Yeah, chain Maybe it's some barbed wire on top of it? Right. Maybe. So he, but he, he, this, again, this document, the guy who did this documentary, he was saying now, Look, look, he, well, he said there's a record of a, a Soviet defector who he, who was in GRU, I think is what he said, which was, you know, the newer version of the KGB that mm. had defected. And that was a, a constant, he said with Russia, that was a constantly developing plan was how to attack the American power grid. But he, right now you have China and Taiwan. There's a lot of, a lot of smoke right there. You know, China's wanting to to bring Taiwan back into the fold, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Biden's administration has not had a really great track record, you know, with Afghanistan, with Ukraine. And so 
there's a lot of analysis thought that China would like to do something with Taiwan before Biden leaves office. Mm. And he goes, well, it's our southern border is pretty easy to get across currently. Very easy for China to pop operatives in the United States. Hit, can you imagine? Hit some transformers, knock out the power grid, and then, then jump into Taiwan. He goes, our, we'd be so overwhelmed with no power that there'd be no response. Well, it's because like you'd mentioned once way back when something that if the people, the people are mad, the power uh, political structure is like it's at risk, so to speak. So there's no power at home. Every, all the international focus is just going to go as far as the government's just going to mm. focus at home, trying to put out the fire, so to speak. Said, I think he said 300, some of the transformers we have currently are Chinese made. Oh, really? But she said it's, it's, it's almost assumed that there's malware, Chinese malware in those, which introduces Chinese malware into our power grid. That mm. the, the fragility of it is exceptional. And it's funny because all that stuff, you know, it sounds real conspiracy-ish, you know, on the surface. But most people don't have a clue what technology is capable of or what. I mean, they're like, cool, I have a phone and it does this. That's cool. Beyond that, nobody has a clue what. Nothing. Nothing. They don't have any idea. So to think that if these things are made in China, there's a chance they have Chinese malware in them. That's not that outrageous. Yeah, so our infrastructure, when you say our infrastructure with our roads, well, it's everything. <laughs> our power grid is, oof. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Did you see that Montana was in the news? Speaking of China? For what? Montana's been in the news a oh, lot. Oh, for TikTok? For yeah, TikTok? for banning TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. You're not on TikTok though, are you? I'm not. Uh-huh. You all know my one of my favorite, and, and a lot of you listeners are on TikTok, so I'm going to say this to kind of kind of razz you a little bit <laughs> my favorite thing is that some of the some of tiktok's favorite users are truckers the trucking community is all about tiktok and i just haven't dipped into it but they're all about it and at the same time the trucking community largely are the ones that are like super pretty conservative like you know like they're really good hot to trot about it we'll shoot them balloons down and and all the while they're like but my tiktok man so y'all out there with your tiktok like come on now come let's be consistent (laughs) here's the thing with tiktok and i if i need to be corrected on this i'm reach out and let me know yeah so the parent company of tiktok is china based and the the what's the Chinese communist the, 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 the party what's the three Chinese communist CCP yeah. CCP the CCP has a board member on in this company mm. I believe it was in 2017 China passed a law that said Chinese companies if they are asked to spy in any manner for the CCP they have to do it mm. by law and the law also says they can't tell anyone they're doing it so the parent company of TikTok the CCP is part of the parent company of TikTok. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what can happen is China, however they want to do it with their TikTok, can influence algorithms and start sending slowly, fast, whatever, what they want people in America to see on TikTok. Yeah. People will tell me, well, the American government does that with our social media. Yeah, for sure they do. Right. Absolutely. 100%. So, and part of the thing with China is 
China here in the United States, I feel like we live basically on a two year cycle. Someone gets elected to the presidency. They have all these plans. They have hopefully two years for them to try and implement it. And then they have two years of campaigning for the next election mm-hmm. or yeah. China. So we, so we have no, I would say we're even less than short-term plans in America. China, China looks 50, 60, 70, 80 years down the road. They have these super long-term plans because they have this continuation of power. So you, you can use the analogy of uh, if you're taking a long plane flight and your navigation is off by a half a degree, mm. that doesn't seem like much, a quarter degree. But when you get thousands of miles to their destination, you are so far off yeah. course. Right. So if you look at right now, influencing through the algorithms of social media, whether you want to think it or not, you're absolutely being influenced if you're on social media. You're being, you are being controlled and, 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 and herded to where someone wants you to think. Right. Foreign, I don't, I'm not even going to call it a foreign government. The biggest enemy of the United States right now is China. It's really not a, an it's arguable a fact, point. Right. Yeah. And they just have to have the general population that's so involved with TikTok just a quarter of deg- a degree off. And years down the road, which is China plans years down the road, we're so far off course <laughs> that it's crazy. And so I have people that I work with that are very involved with TikTok who are, are really upset about this Montana thing saying this doesn't, this, no, this doesn't happen. And I say, listen, you can't, don't even talk to me. I won't hear it because it's not, yeah, it's it, not an opinion. It does happen. It's a fact. If it's not happening, it will happen. But it like, it, it is happening. So the argument for me is don't tell me it's not happening. Tell me it's happening, but I don't care that it's happening. And I'll listen to that. If yeah. you just don't care. At least that's a point. It's right? a point. It's like, no, it's happening. I just don't care. But it is happening. Right. And that's the whole thing with TikTok is we have a, our biggest enemy right now is able to Im- exert so much influence. And if you don't think it's influence, then you don't understand. You don't understand anything about how algorithms work. Well, and, and everybody does understand how they work because everyone, everyone's like, dude, you hear these stories all the time. Oh, I was, I, I was talking to my buddy about, you know, snap on tools. And then all of a sudden, guess what came up in my feed? Snap on tools. Like it, everybody knows this this isn't an opinion at all but algorithm stuff is not just people thinking their phones hearing what they're saying no but i mean the point is that if they can do that what can they do that you don't even know about that's going on in this what's even more important that what can be done with it is it's not just your buddy talking about snap on tours it can make a housewife who's never even heard of a tool all of a sudden be very interested in snap on tools yeah because with enough influence over time, this can be introduced. Oh, yeah, a little bit. And direct time. people who didn't even have any idea what a snap-on tool was all of a sudden <laughs> and never had a need for one, right. all of a sudden they can't live without it. Yeah. Anyway. Rooster's over here still just wondering what is a TikTok. <laughs> it's those, you know, it's those little mints that you always like to suck on when you're trucking. Yeah, that's what I thought they were. <laughs> and what's wrong with Tic Tacs? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I got, we're getting short on time. I had a couple other things I want to talk about. Electric trucks versus diesel trucks. Mm. I found an article here. I want to pull up to scan through this real quick. Classic California. The trucks that service all the ports or operate near ports, they call them drayage trucks. Have you heard that term? Yeah. Or dryage, drayage? Drayage, yeah. Drayage trucks. So by 2035, the entire fleet's required to be zero emissions. Okay. You know what's funny about that? 
the port trucking industry is generally it's a hard industry. It's it's low pay. They're not good loads. You're just shuffling containers around to warehouses and around off the docks and things. And electric trucks are so I mean they're they're cool, but like they're so expensive. And they want to force that on the lowest paying. Uh, we'll listen to some of the stuff. It's it's, it's going to be in line with that. So okay. starting next year, all the new drayage trucks have to be zero emission. Okay. And by 2035, all of them all have of to them, be. Period. Yeah, all the old ones have to be gone. So the person writing this article, trucking, someone in the trucking industry, here's some important details that they wrote about these electric trucks. First, these electric drayage trucks cost $185,000 a truck. I that seems cheap to me. All right. Refueling a diesel truck. How long does it take you to fuel it up? 15 minutes? Yeah. Recharging these electric trucks hour overnight usually. Mm-hmm. Currently, California does not have the infrastructure for charging them. By the way, just a typical, a typical, if you guys, if you do port work, you guys, I'm just saying a tip, a typical port truck. California kind of weird because they got their emissions rules, but they're typically the Fifteen to thirty thousand dollar trucks tops. I mean, it's like you're back and forth, so you, back and forth, so back and forth. Yeah. Thirty thousand dollar trucks. Now they have to buy hundred eighty five thousand dollar trucks. Yeah. Okay. A nuclear power plant produces about one gigabyte, gigawatt, not gigabyte, <laughs> gigawatt of energy uh-huh. per nuclear plant. Okay. That's per nuclear plant for the year. For to, the year to meet these electrification mandates, California needs eleven point five new gigawatt of electricity capacity by the year 2026. Oh, so 11 nuclear plants annual output worth of electricity? Yeah. That's according to the article? No. The other thing, electric trucks are a lot heavier than diesel trucks, so you can't haul as much. Oh, right. So here's the capacity. Electric trucks can't carry as much freight as diesel, and so the head of the Trade Association for California Drayage Truckers said the companies are going to have to double the size of their fleets to haul the same amount of freight. (laughs) So not only are the trucks like what, like six times more expensive? They're going to have to buy, buy twice as two <laughs> for every single diesel truck. <laughs> so, and then they're saying this is all going to be passed on to the consumer. Right. So <laughs> consumer prices are going to go up drastically because of all these, the cost of these. Oh, man. It's I, and my, and my thing is, man, my thing is, is I think electric stuff's cool. I love my DeWalt cordless tools. I love electrical things. Your cell phone runs on a battery. It's cool. But when you start mandating that stuff and forcing it, like I, if they can come up with an electric truck that I could use for cattle some way, somehow, the power, like the torque and stuff, it's amazing. But when you mandate and all of a sudden you're like, here's the day, boom. It's, ooh. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it'll end like, it'll end, it'll end well. <laughs> oh yeah. It'll end well. <laughs> Isn't most things mandated like this? Always end it well. ends well. Yeah. Well, we wrap this up. I'm going to, Tell you about some of my recent jail. Oh, I got some a of the jail stuff story. going on in the jail. You know the the county jail's very different than the state prison because it's everyone just coming right in off the streets. We've talked about this a little bit, so it's often I read a news article during the week, and the next time I'm in there, I may end up seeing uh-huh. someone from the recent <laughs> news article. Okay, so I had that happen a couple times. One is. Uh, one I'm going to touch on. I'm not going to get too into it because it's it's kind of kind of dark. But there was a a young girl who ended up killing her baby during the night, crying. She ended up killing the baby and really disfiguring her toddler. Horrific story. 
But I ended up, the week she came in, I ended up having to see her in the dental chair. <clears throat> really going into it, reading that article about what, what had happened, I was, I was pretty angry about it. And I, I was trying to find every reason to not see her. I'd seen everyone else. And so I brought her in. And when she came in, tiny little, little girl, 20 years old, turns out severe mental health issues in the past, multiple institutionalized. She'd been institutionalized multiple times at eight, by the age of 20, Ooh. severe postpartum, severe sleep depression on drugs by herself. But just crazy, crazy that you end up seeing her. But, but there was another last week, a, they found a lady in her fifties that had been stabbed to death in a park in Great Falls. Oh, really? And I think the next, the day after they found her, they are made to arrest. And it was an 18 year old girl and like a 20 year old guy. And it, it, the article didn't go into their relationship. I would assume they were, they were together. But when we got into the, got into the jail, did all my work for the day and went into the medical area where all the nurses were and finishing my notes and just kind of talking with the, the nurses in there. And this girl came up and they said she actually had turned, turned 18. 10 days before the day I was in there that was last week. So she had just, I mean, days, 18 year old involved with this stabbing of this lady. So we're just like, yeah, oh, man. So when I was walking out of the, walking out of the jail, they have like security points where you, they open up a big sliding door, you step into it, the door shuts behind you and now you're stuck in an area in an and then airlock. they open another door. Yeah. yeah. Like an airlock type thing. <laughs> that way, you know, if I mean, just security, and so when I went in, in there, I got, someone's coming the other direction. We kind of got stuck in this airlock together. It was this girl <laughs> who just, Jeez. <laughs> oh. and I didn't, I had seen the picture of her in the paper, her mugshot, and I didn't quite recognize it. And I, I realized who it was. I don't, she might've been 4'11", 70 pounds. Really? Black eye. And she was, she was all chained. She was in chains. So her, her feet were chained, chained around her waist and around her her wrists and she was being walked along by an officer and she was she was crying just sobbing and the officer was trying to explain to her why she was going to segregation where she was going to actually be housed by herself with that black guy i have to assume she got got assaulted in the general population and she's being isolated but i thought oh man this, this little girl who man. just turned 18 just right into the system. so far in over her head when you just you see some of the that is not old, man. That oh. is not old. So, yeah, she's, she's going to be away for a long time. Had another lady in the chair who was very charismatic, had a good time visiting with her. She was so you do, so you, do you converse with these? I mean, probably some you do, some you don't, but. Oh, yeah. Do you let them kind of lead? No, I'll just jump in and talk to them. Because, I mean, a lot of them played sports against guys they knew or had played sports with in high school. You know, because they're all kind of from the same area. Yeah. You know, and some of them, you know, I mean, like one guy, I, I'm not even going to the store because I, I don't remember. I'm going to have to think about how it went through. But no, I talk, I talk to all of them just as if they're a, a, a patient in my regular practice. Yeah. This lady came in and is, I don't remember what she said. And I said, what did you even do? She's like, oh, my boyfriend was doing some drug stuff and I kind of got involved with it. And now I'm going to. Be going to, I'm going to prison, federal prison for like 10 years. Oh. So, she, you know, we talked a little bit about that, kind of joking around about it. And then she, she starts, in the course of it, she starts talking about 
a motorcycle wreck. She was on the back of a motorcycle where she was air flighted. And she's like, yeah, my boyfriend was, did something on and got in this wreck with me on back. And I was air flighted. And then, and then at some other point, she was talking about another boyfriend who had been killed by the cops down in Billings. It shot. So wait, so you told me about the three men in the three men in your life. One got killed by the cops. One got you in a wreck where you had to be air flight and the other one's got you in jail for 10 years. So do you think maybe... Did you say this to her? Yeah, I said, do you think maybe the, the direction you need to go is figuring out how to pick better guys? <laughs> she just laughed and said, yeah. I, I, oh my goodness. I'll have some time to think about it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, man. It's a strange world in there. It is a strange world, man. But It is. Well, we're out of time. We got, we got that truck show we're going to be at coming up. Oh, yeah. That's uh, June 16th. I want to make sure I get this right. June 16th. That's a Friday, right? Not sure. I thought it was the 17th. Maybe it is the 16th. I think it's both days. Well, it's both, but we are... It's the 16th. So this is coming right up, you guys. The night of the 16th, the, our band, the Sightliners, is going to be playing the show. The night show for the truck show. And uh, that's going to be like at 7 o'clock. And prior to that, probably, you know... Three, four o'clock ish. We're going to be doing a we're going to be doing a recording on site there of Steady at the Wheel. We'll uh, we'll see who we can drag in and. Are you bringing your truck, truck, truck out to it? Man, I don't know if I'm going to have time. That's the week I come back from. So I fly from I fly out to Sonoma, drive the hauler back to Charlotte, and then I fly back. I'm not even coming home. I'm flying to Bozeman where I'm teaching a class at the auction school. And then I have like one day home to get the band stuff all ready and mm. get the coach hooked up and, and then go to, go to Great Falls. So I've always wanted to get one of these cab overs in and, and Dave's always razzing me about it. But I'm like, man, I'm going to get the, the, the band and the equipment. Plus it takes a lot of work to get a truck ready for the show. So I'm going to say, I'm just going to say no right now. Then that probably means no one's going to come out to the show. <laughs> I know. That's all everyone's like, why aren't you driving your cab over? I'm like, is that all I am to you? Just a cab over, man? Come on. And the answer is yes. <laughs> I know. Yes, it is. I know. All right. So, yeah, that's coming up. Other than that, man, until next time. 